Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub of the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. Uh, I'm Pat Kreitlow and uh, check it out. Dr. Kristen Lyerly joins us again this week. Uh, hello, Doc. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, we, we will be hearing from Sarah in a little bit as well, but uh, wonderful to have you here. So so between uh, Dr. Lyerly, who, who's an OBGYN, and Sarah, of course, who's an attorney and topics in the news, we once again get to play, you know, lawyers, guns, and money, but this time it's doctors, lawyers, guns, and money. And we will explain all that as we go along. But uh, Kirk, it's it's been a crazy week in the news. It's been a crazy week, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened this week, and I think kind of the theme that came to mind to me is that no one is above the law. Uh, And so the first thing that happened that happened just yesterday was our friends at Law Forward took uh, the false electors to court for, you know, for forging their names and submitting uh, elector electoral ballots for Donald Trump when he didn't win. This is this is an amazing, uh, amazing case, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Uh, we released a uh, press release. Uh, we've reached our, a milestone in our case against Ron Johnson, Tom Tiffany, and Scott Fitzgerald for uh, trying to remove them from the ballots for aiding and abetting the insurrection on January 6th. Um, we think that there, no one should be above the law on that one. And so uh, the, now it's in the, in, the, uh, in the hands of a federal judge uh, to either dismiss or let it, let it happen. So we're excited about that. And then, but the, I think the, the really crazy thing that you reported on, Pat, because I think you heard it at a listening session or something, I can't remember, but this, this guy, this Natural Resources Board guy, Fred Prane, who just refuses to leave his seat. Uh, you know, it's like, it's been like a year now apparently he had his conversation with Scott Walker, you know, old Republican governor, Scott Walker, specifically telling him to like be above the law and not leave. What, what happened there, Pat? Yeah, essentially it is a, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy. The Milwaukee journal Sentinel was able to um, uh, first report on the texts between Fred Pren and Scott Walker, where Pren talked about how he's going to stay on the natural resources board, even those term ends. So Kristen, I figured you're an OBGYN. I'm married to an OBGYN. Kirk knows a, a couple as well. So let's put it in, in the proper terms. A baby's supposed to stay there for 40 weeks in the uterus, right? And it, it, it you know, give or take. And let's just assume that this big baby and we'll we'll call the baby fred you know decided that (laughs) he didn't want to leave the uterus that it wasn't you know his time to to go yet and somehow you know managed to convey this to to stay overtime what i'm wondering about is in in terminology you'd get isn't there a forceps a legal forceps (laughs) or or a vacuum or, or or something for an extraction i mean You've got the tools. Uh, surely the legal community must must have something that, yeah, that they can use. If we don't deliver that baby soon, he's going to kill the mother. I'm just saying. It's time. Well, you know, and that you're actually not far off if, if the mother we're talking about is, is representative government. Because, again, there's there have been nominees uh, by Governor Evers that the Republican-led Senate uh, has has not confirmed. And it's not just this. It's a whole host of other things. Cabinet-level officers. 
the Board of Regents for the mm-hmm. UW system. And, and we saw how Republicans fell all over themselves yesterday to criticize uh, the governor or the uh, the news of a new chancellor at UW-Madison. So it's this kind of intrusion on how our institutions have normally worked that, you know, we, we, we laugh about it now, but Kirk, like you said, nobody is supposed to be above the law. So when we come back now, we will get to one of those serious topics when we talk about uh, lawyers, guns, and money. We're going to talk about guns and how too many politicians are not treating guns with the respect demanded by a civilized society. They're using gun laws as political props, even as people are dying or being wounded in mass shootings. So we talked to a police officer from Green Bay about the low-hanging fruit we could do to keep our community safer next year up north. Everywhere that you go, no matter where you are at, I said you talk about All right. Well, uh, welcome back to the Up North podcast. I I have to ad- admit, I've got uh, probably an audio issue over here that I couldn't hear the, the music. I was hoping we were going to hear George Thorogood's version of You Talk Too Much. You're texting me, Kirk, that we, we just heard the Run DMC version. Yeah, yeah, you. we were talking about this show like like a couple of days ago, and you're like, this is a perfect segment, perfect thing to talk about as we get into the show. And so... Dude, I mean, Pat, we're not in the same generation, I don't think. I mean, we're kind of like hedging on different different pieces here. So, like, when I third, you talk too much. I thought that was Run DMC. See, and, oh, I, and I was you actually, went I think, there. I was oh. actually thinking of the original version from the '60s, the the guy whose name I can't remember now. And I thought I'd compromise with George Thorogood, but um, hey, either way, you talk too much is the the theme here is our message to politicians who have been treating the Constitution, especially the Second Amendment, as a prop. Stop talking too much. You talk about your love for guns and gun owners. Never mind that a whole lot of gun owners would love them to stop talking and do something about the mass shootings that plague no other country on the planet. Because you see, most hunters in Wisconsin, most gun owners in Wisconsin, don't need or want weapons of war. They don't want them on the streets. They don't want their kids to be the next school shooting victim. They don't want their daughters or sisters to be the next victims of domestic violence. They want politicians, especially the ones who profess to be pro-life, to remember that you can't have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness if you put criminals owning guns ahead of everyone else. And we're really going to specifically talk about how to keep guns out of the hands of of criminals. There are ways to do that right now. It's got nothing to do with confiscating guns. It's keeping the guns out of the hands of known criminals, Kirk. So um, we are, so, you know, after the, the, you know, the shootings that happened in in Milwaukee this weekend and after, you know, the shootings that happened in Buffalo, uh, New York, uh, I was like, we got to talk about guns, you know, even if we're up north and, you know, there's not as much kind of, you know, violence up north as it might, you know, as there might be down in, in Milwaukee, we got to talk about it. We have to talk about it. So uh, we are thankful to be joined by community police officer Craig Carlson, who's a 23 year veteran of the Green Bay Police Department. He has served in a variety of capacities, including SWAT, dive team and the Marine unit, as well as his community police officer duties. So Officer Carlson, thanks a lot for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. So first of all, before we kind of get into it, 
um, when I was thinking about this, I remember this clip I heard from the uh, the the retired uh, Milwaukee police chief Ed Flynn when he was talking about kind of concealed carry and the rise of uh, violent crime in Milwaukee. And so I wanted to play. It's a five year old clip, but uh, I wanted to play it because I think it sets the tone for our conversation. So um, Evan, can you play that clip for us right now? Do you believe that conceal and carry has something or has contributed to the increase in crime? Anyone can answer this question. Well, I've already got the NRA hating all over me, so I'll, I'll answer it. Um, of course it has. But it has not because concealed carry has been seen to be a right, okay? There's a place for concealed carry, you know? I mean, everybody wants to talk about the law-abiding person, and I agree, all right? A law-abiding person in the United States who passes a background check and is responsible and is not a criminal, why shouldn't they get a concealed carry permit? But that's not what's happened in Wisconsin. We wrote a letter that, we wrote a law, we didn't, the NRA did, wrote a law in Wisconsin that the legislature passed that arms criminals lawfully, okay? That's the law. We have a statute in this state that defines a career criminal as somebody who's committed, been convicted of three misdemeanors or one felony within five years. Now, in Milwaukee, the overwhelming majority of our arrested felons plead guilty to misdemeanors and get a plea bargain. And I get it. System's overwhelmed with arrests. But the problem is when they passed the law in Wisconsin, they only said convicted felons can't qualify for a gun permit. So I've got armed career criminals with concealed permits guarding drug dealers. We call them human holsters. They're sitting in the car with three felons and they're carrying three guns. Okay, that's a crazy law. Okay, so we just heard this clip from five years ago where uh, retired police chief Ed Flynn talks about, he was asked about concealed carry. And it's been shown um, yeah, in statistics that ever since we passed uh, the latest concealed carry law, that uh, violent crime has gone up. But what he spoke most about in this clip was that, you know, we do have, we have some loose laws in that if you are a convicted felon, you can't own a gun. But a lot of these uh, guys who are career criminals, you know, if they commit a crime, they are offered a plea to plea for a misdemeanor just because we've got so many people going through the judicial system. So a lot of these guys who keep on repeating and repeating and repeating are only getting misdemeanors and they are allowed then to carry guns and they're actively, you know, being shields for the felons who who can't carry guns. So, uh, Officer uh, Craig, I just wanted to you know get your thoughts on this. What, it, what are you seeing this in Green Bay? Absolutely. It, it doesn't happen a lot, but we sure do see that. Um, for whatever reason, Wisconsin chose not to uh, include the multiple misdemeanors on that. So um, we see uh, partners, female partners often carrying the guns or the drugs for, you know, the, the drug dealers or the gangbangers or something like that. But th that is an issue. And it's the thing that just, you know, frost me is that, that these are folks that when concealed carry was passed, you know, said that they were very open to making changes and modifications as circumstances warrant. And that that certainly hasn't been the case. Craig, you know, and one of those areas as well um, is that, you know, statistics show that those convicted of domestic violence are, are, you know, quite likely to become mass shooters or the most dangerous cases for cops to deal with. We know that there's a law against those convicted of domestic violence to be able to own guns. Um, and yet there, there, there seems to be this issue that people 
caught up in domestic violence situations, um, you know, are, are still able to have access to guns. Now, again, from your uh, more on the street perspective, is that still an issue? It is. You know, the way the laws are written, it doesn't specifically uh, limit guns in the same household. If you're a convicted felon or you have a restraining order against you, it does not allow you to have a firearm. You know, as long as you don't have it directly in your possession, in your bedroom or something like that, it gets very difficult to prove uh, that it does belong to you or that you're going to be responsible for that. So there's any number of ways family can, you know, keep the guns temporarily or whatever. It's the access is, is still there. And I think there should be something done to kind of get that more grounded in um, making sure that they don't have the ability to get at them very easily. So can you give me a kind of a tip? Because I I was watching a, what was it? Who was that? Uh, uh, John Stewart, right? He came to this show and he was, he was saying, you know, this is, this is the reason that cops get killed. You know, these are, this is the biggest, you go into a domestic, domestic violence situation and everyone's inflamed and, you know, fighting and sure enough, somebody's got a gun and that's when, that's when all hell breaks loose. Now, now he was saying this from a kind of a political point of view. It's like, okay, Okay, you know, if Democrat or Republican, we can all agree we don't want cops to 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 lose their lives in this in in this stuff. So what can we do about domestic violence? So is it is it are you you know when you go to a domestic violence case, is it is it kind of make you nervous? You know, I try not to get nervous on stuff, but clearly, you know, I think it's around forty one percent of all officer uh, fatalities are involving domestic violence calls. So that always has to be in the back of your head. Um, and it's not just walking up to the house, you know, I, I get notified, you know, for all officer, uh, on duty deaths. Um, and you'll see, you know, they call it sniping officers. So there's a call come out, you're rolling up to the call. You're kind of game playing what you want to do. And out of the blue, out of the shadows, uh, there's a man with a gun and he's shooting at us. Wow. Kristen, you want to ask about the, uh, the gun show loophole? I do. So background checks. I think many of us agree that it's a great idea to run a background check. If you're thinking about buying a gun, that's how we know that you are safe and capable of safely owning a gun. But there are ways around that gun shows and online gun purchases. I would love your thoughts as a police officer who has to deal with these guns that are purchased without the typical regulations in place. How do you feel about these loopholes and about universal background checks? I am a very strong believer that every gun sale should have some type of background check. Um, I don't care if you're selling it to build the next door neighbor or buying it online and getting it at a gun store. I think you definitely need to have that or the gun shows or something like that. I, I cannot believe that that is still something that we have to worry about. Um, the wrong person getting easy access to a gun like that. There should be no way that if you are uh, not able to, if you're a felon or you you know have a current restraining order, something like that, there's, you should not be able to get a gun that easily without being checked. And th- this is hardly a some kind of a fringe opinion in, in poll after poll. And what I'm looking at right now from Politico and Morning Consult, Consult says that when it comes to expanding background checks to all gun sales, including the, the gun shows and preventing people flagged by health providers as mentally unstable from owning guns, 
Each one of those is supported in a poll of Americans by 83%, okay? Not 50%, not, you know, 52%, 54%, 83%. This, again, mm -hmm. this is a bunny. This is a layup. This is a gimme. And, you know, again, Officer Carlson, this, you know, we're not putting you in a, in a political box here to comment on it, but more about, you know, again, that perspective of officers who, I would imagine, you know, like you said, support gun rights for law-abiding citizens, but uh, how frustrating it's got to be to not see some of these easily done red flag issues finally come to fruition after years of talking about it. Right. You know, I think it's only like 19 states have those red flag laws, um, which allows family members or police or somebody to petition a court or somebody that is especially mentally unstable uh, to keep guns out of, you know, not only if they're going to hurt somebody else, but hurt themselves. You know, a lot of these gun issue or gun stats are suicides. Um, and mental health is, is a big issue for us. Uh, we're currently have a lot of officers that are uh, trained in uh, crisis intervention, trying to deal with individuals on the streets. Um, we also have mental health uh, officers that deal with this stuff on a, on a daily basis. They focus on those types of calls. So I wish, you know, I know Governor Evers tried to get something emergency um, uh, act passed to um, allow people to petition that court to get those guns taken away and keep people safe. In fact, he did in November of 2019. Uh, and I, I only know because I have this right in front of me because one of the stories we did over at Up North News this week was about the legislature's inability to take care of things that are pressing matters through a special session. We put this up in the wake of the, the Buffalo uh, mass shooting, that it was in November of 2019, Governor Evers asked uh, after another round of mass shootings for some of these common sense, widely supported gun laws, the legislature completely ignored it. It's one of nearly a dozen special sessions on police reform, school funding, the farm crisis, unemployment, expanding badger care, spending the budget surplus. We're sitting on $4 billion right now. Nothing's happening with it. And again, it's because you have a legislature that won't meet, won't meet for the rest of this year because they don't, they don't want to. They're hoping that next year with a Republican governor, they can start all over, work on, you know, tax cuts and attacking the UW system. And again, probably Kirk having next to nothing to, to say yeah. about, you know, gun safety. Yeah, but let's take it. I mean, everything you just said is correct. And the reason that the Republican legislature uh, doesn't do anything is because they don't want to allow Governor Evers to have a win, uh, you know, to be able to pass legislation because they want to say that he's uh, weak or, you know, or, you know, that, that he's not a good leader. But let's get back to guns. I mean, uh, there, uh, there is, the, there is, not only do they want to make Governor Evers look like he's not effective, but I mean, there is this fealty to, to the, to whoever can say the most crazy thing or the most or the most like in, like inflaming thing about uh, the ability to carry guns seems to be the person that wins uh, on that side and and it's the nra and it's and it's this like machismo kind of thing i feel that that like you can't get too right when it comes to talking about guns whereas where it's it's just easy to look at the stats and and to talk to to talk to police officers who 
are shouldn't have to be political. They're there. I mean, I'm, Craig, I don't want to put you in a box because I don't want you to be political. I don't want my police officer to care about being a Democrat or Republican. I want him to protect me. So, but this is what's happening. They're they're ignoring common sense because because uh, they want to score political points, and it, it just upsets me. I agree. You know, they're not experts on any of this stuff, so they have their reasons for it. Um, I think if they would be willing to sit down and talk with real uh, on-the-job cops, uh, understand the dangers are out there, um, they would have to change their mind. But it's it's this is not a political stance. Anything I'm saying, this is just I want to go home to my family every night. Um, I want people to be safe, and I want only the right people that should have guns to have those guns. Yeah, I just can't stand. This is not a question. This is more of a statement. The hypocrisy, how they show up and it's all this law and order and we stand behind our police officers, but they've been constantly defunding public safety for over a decade in Wisconsin. They're the ones who are defunding the police. They're the ones who are standing there patting police on the back, yet not supporting them by passing the laws that would actually make your job there Better, you go. Safer. Well, well, we'll hope we can fix that in the coming year. Officer Craig Carlson, thank you. Great to visit with you. Hope we can do it again soon. I hope so as well. Thank you. When we come back, Sarah Yacoub is back. Find out what she's been up to after this. You're up north. What you let me die? I was gambling in Havana. I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out Right. Well, welcome back to the cabin. This is the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, along with Kirk Bankstead, Kristen Lyerly, and the Prodigal Lawyer. Hello. Sarah hey, <laughs> So, okay. So this is the big reveal because we had Kristen join us for the start of the show, but we didn't really tell anybody why, uh, because we wanted to wait until we had uh, Sarah on, who is our who is our our, our normal uh, or the one who is our co-host for the no, last like, uh, you're year. You're the normal one. I, 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 normal. Mean, I, I don't think any I don't think any of us are normal on this show. That's <laughs> let, let's be honest. But so so it is with great pleasure that I you know that I can announce for Sarah that she is running for assembly. What are you, do, again. What are you doing? Let her say it. No. What are you no. doing? No, but that's why that she's not going to be a host anymore. She can, can talk about it, that. but I mean, that's the, come on, Pat. I'm not like <laughs> giving that, that away. She already gave it away. So like, Sarah, what, what, do you, what you been up to? What's new? Well, you know, I read Pat. this opinion by Alito and it sort of lit a blowtorch under my rear end. But even so, I thought there's going to be someone else to run because Shannon Zimmerman's such a likable guy, right? Like right. someone's going to run against this guy. And Someone who so, lives in the district, right? Someone who lives well, in the district. Well, him in. So he has one more round of election and voter fraud. Uh, but then, yeah, for, for next term, he'll be in the district, um, assuming he wins, which, you know, hopefully he won't. But no, no one was running. And with the 1949 law on abortion on the books and with Roe v. Roe v. Wade uh, on the verge of being reversed, I had to get into the fight, talk to my husband about it, talk to our family. Uh, talked to friends, slept on it a lot, um, and decided 
yeah, um, I'm ready for this fight. Sarah, I am so very happy and excited for you because this is so necessary. Um, you know, having run with you, we both ran for assembly last time around. It was a very different scenario because it was COVID. So we couldn't get out right. there and we couldn't meet people and we couldn't do events. And we were really handicapped by that. But this time is different because exactly what you just said with the SCOTUS leak and with the knowledge that really our, as women, as a society, our choices, our futures are on the line. This is not about abortion. This is all right. about control. So right. for you, you are such an incredibly compelling woman, candidate, human being for you to put yourself out there and step up and do this. Um, I am so grateful to you. And I am sure that your future constituents are thrilled. Well, well, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny, we're, we're working on getting signatures. So I'm at a baseball game right now for my kiddos. But before that, we were out getting signatures. And I'm realizing the best part of this process is talk to people. And yes, what I'm, you know, living in an area where the pressure is so pronounced to not talk about politics or to always be positive, the outlet of oh, my goodness, we can finally talk about what is going on. It's an, it's a wonderful, refreshing conversation, but 20, 30 minutes later, and I'm like, oh, I can't get one signature every 20 minutes. This is bad. <laughs> my team is going to be really mad at me. <laughs> so that's been my biggest challenge. <laughs> You're right. And these conversations, though, they need to happen. And I think yeah. that's one of the biggest problems that we have, especially up north, you know, rural Wisconsin. It's so indelicate to talk about things like politics. And especially when politics and sex, abortion, all of that comes together, you almost, you feel so wary about entering those conversations, but there are absolutely ways to do it in a community building way to get people's opinions, to engage them in a constructive, positive way, and to be that catalyst in your community where other people can rally around you and recognize how important this issue is, not only to our futures, but to the futures of this country. I agree. Now, let me put in my plug for Sarah. Uh, I've gotten to know her so well uh, over the course. She's she's helped out the Monaco Brewing Company Super PAC. Uh, she's not going to be the executive director anymore because she is running for office. We want to make sure that every everything is separated uh, appropriately. Um, but when after the elections last last year, I heard about this woman named Sarah Yakub, who is like this really brilliant lawyer uh, from, you know, from Hudson and I was running in, you know, in, in, in Manaqua and, you know, I even, that's when I met Kristen Lyerly too. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy <laughs> that all of us are on the phone. Like we were all running for office and, and I heard these great stories about, about these women to my to the East and the West of me. And, and, and so after the election was over, I was, you know, I was talking to Sarah, I'm like, how do we keep this going? And, um, and she's like, well, you know, I want to keep it going too. I mean, we had a really good campaign. I mean, we lost and it's like, I don't want to just ride off into the sunset. You know, I want to keep on fighting for Wisconsin because you know, I learned a lot about our issues and I learned even more than I knew, uh, you know, before running. I was like, this is, this stuff is really bad. Let's keep going. So uh, we talked about it and Sarah's like, well, I like what you're doing. And I was like, oh, I like what you're doing. <laughs> So, so she agreed to work with me and that's why we kind of helped, she kind of agreed to help the super PAC. So I just want to put in my two cents and say, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, Sarah is not 
just a, a, a fiery Democrat. She is that, but she cares about people and she cares about her community. She cares about her kids and she cares about other people's kids. And, uh, that, and that's what you want in a, in a representative. Uh, so that's my, that's my two cents for Sarah. Thank you. You know, and, and Kristen, going back to what you're saying, with all the propaganda sur surrounding abortion and Roe v. Wade, it, I feel like it's never been more important to get the other side out. So for me, in a civilized society, the government doesn't get to force anyone to donate the use of their body. So mm -hmm. even to save a life. So the argument about when life begins is really a secondary issue. But, you know, unless you're a spectrum kid or, you know, you're super nerdy or you spend your time thinking about this stuff, most people don't. So we end up being really susceptible to the propaganda coming out of the extremist right mm -hmm. in a time where, you know, we need the the information and the the talking points of wait. No, this isn't right. We don't force people to donate bone marrow or their organs or their blood. Uh, dead people get to decide if they keep their body intact or if they donate their organs. That's a choice. And, you know, this idea that we're going to start forcing people to donate their bodies is just grotesque. Um, but being able to talk about it and equip others to talk about it so we don't have to be angry or emotional we can be rational. And then the other thing I was going to say is there's so many propaganda videos when it comes to the realities of abortion, because it is a medical procedure. And if that's not what you're used to, it, it can be really traumatic to see. But mm -hmm. likewise, we had a doctor on the show a few, uh, gosh, months ago who talked about the realities of women who don't get access to health care, the infections, the uh, infertility, the death. Um, and so you know, for me, being able to talk about these issues with people uh, in a way that raises awareness um, so we can just stop being so hysterical as a community on this issue um, is sort of my hope for us moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I can validate all of those things that were said during that podcast because it, it all really happens, which is why politicians need to stay out of our exam rooms. We need to be able to have those conversations as human beings together, making evidence-based decisions. Um, and one other thing I wanted to say, and Pat, I know you're super excited to jump in here, but we are all here, all three of us, former assembly candidates from 2020, because it was never about the seat. It was never actually about just being in the assembly. It was about making a difference. So here we are two years later, continuing to make a difference in different ways. Well, I'm grateful to be here with you. And that's the point that I wanted to make. Uh, and Kirk referenced it earlier as well, that here, here you all have, uh, have run um, unsuccessfully at, you know, I've lost my seat, uh, which is now 12 years ago. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. And but I noticed a lot, uh, especially, you know, 10, 12 years ago, something like that, when when candidates would kind of emerge and run, and then if they fell short, there were a lot of them we never heard from again. And this time around, uh, things are different. I mean, not not only uh, you, Sarah, but um, Allison Page is getting back in in Western Wisconsin, running against Warren Petrick. Patty Schockner is back in running for assembly over in your part of the state as well. Yes. Um, I'm sure there's others because the focus has often been from insiders at the Capitol that there are nearly a record number of retirements this year from the legislature. Uh, a lot of people saying, I'm done, kind of doing what candidates used to do, saying I'm riding off into the sunset. Well, that just presents a, 
an immense opportunity. Now you're running against an incumbent as is Allison, um, you know, as are others, but frankly, there's going to be, there are going to be so many open seats as well, Sarah. And I know that you're going to be busy with your own race, but I, I want to give you the chance and, you know, Kristen and Kirk as well to say to people who might be listening and still thinking about it, there is still time and mm-hmm. here's why you should think about it. So Sarah, you first should people yes. think about it. Yes, you should. You have two weeks to get 400 signatures. No, no pressure. You can do it. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously. So, okay. In 2020, we exceeded our win number. We didn't anticipate the Trump bump. So we lost, which is fine. But because we exceeded that win number, because we lost by less, we helped contribute to the 20,000 votes or so that Biden used to get across the finish line. So now in 2022, we've got Ron Johnson on the ballot. We've got Tony Evers, Josh Call. It is so important that we get these folks across the finish line. So if our team wins and I get to legislate, wonderful. I will be forever grateful for that experience and put my work experience as a DA, as a mom, as a nonprofit attorney to good use for the people. But even if I don't succeed, running a strong campaign, losing by less, energizing the bottom of the ticket to turn out the vote will help immensely, not just for 2022, but for 2024. And one more thing, we... The Republicans are gearing up for a supermajority, which means Governor Evers' veto will lose all of its power. And he protected us from so many dangerous bills this last session. To to think that he would lose that power is just horrifying. So anything we can do to plug in, to to turn out the vote, to excite the electorate, even if you're not yourself going to win, you're still winning. So, Sarah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we've talked about it before. I mean, I was never going to win my race against Rob Swearingen. I mean, it's it was like it was like it's crazy Republican up where where I am. But five thousand more people in my assembly district voted for Joe Biden than voted for Hillary Hillary Clinton four four years before that. And and Joe Biden won by 20,000 votes out of five million people in Wisconsin. No, I'm not saying I'm not going to say I'm not going to take any credit for that. But yeah, good, I, <laughs> I know that I know that that needs to happen in every single district. And I, and I could care less if I won or lost. I knew I was going to lose. So but we, we got more votes for Biden. And that was huge. Yeah, it is huge. It's about so much more than the race itself. Um, yeah, as you said, Sarah, this year. Tony Evers is a critical protect. Josh Call is a critical protect. And we need Ron Johnson out in the worst way. I mean, I'm a physician and he is in a guerrilla war with my people. So in addition to thinking that the COVID vaccine causes HIV and so many other things. So, I mean, the up ballot races are critical, but I have to say, I had so much fun. When we ran, it was so, it was COVID, but, and there was so much we couldn't do, but all of the people who came out and said, I believe in you and you are carrying the torch for us because they didn't feel empowered enough to speak up and to get out there and knowing that you could be that person who helps them get where they need to go, who helps them get someday, maybe single payer healthcare. And all of the other things that we deserve, if we truly care about people in this country, there are so many problems we can solve. Yet we find ourselves arguing about ivermectin and how the women's soccer team doesn't deserve equal pay because they don't make as much money. Like stop arguing about this garbage that is just fluff and start solving some problems. Go to work. Yeah, (laughs) well said. 
and you know, you mentioned up ballot and down ballot races. I, I want to get in a quick plug for a race that we have not had to think about in this state for 50 years. And that's secretary of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a couple of decades back that uh, Republicans first started to chip away at the office that Doug LaFollette, you know, a distant relative of fighting Bob LaFollette um, has held for a, a big chunk of the past 50 years and basically turned it into to almost nothing. Now, again, that's the Republicans that turned the Secretary of State's office into almost nothing. Now, they're really interested in the office. There's, what, three Republicans, I think, running for Secretary of State so far? There may be more. Why might that be? Well, we all know the answer to that. It's rhetorical because then they can give the Secretary of State power over elections that currently is, is uh, you know, left with the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Uh, so, I mean, Sarah, I... I when you have these conversations and they are great, that, that is one of the things I miss is knocking on doors, had a, a, a million great conversations with people around the, the 23rd Senate district, but so many topics we've been talking about reproductive rights for a big chunk of it. Saving democracy is going to be part of those conversations too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the Republicans have done a really good job of convincing people that politics is just dirty and nobody is honest. So this is just how the game works. And it's really disheartening. And there are good people who sincerely care and who care about our democracy. You know, every 4th of July, we all get out there with our America shorts and our flags and we profess to love this country. And what does that mean? Do we, is that just a name and symbolism or do we love the constitution and our founding documents and the things that make our country so special and the representative democracy that we have been a torch for, for the world. Why are we willing to let this go? Um, It it just seems rather short-sighted. So absolutely, Pat, um, having those conversations and really just trying to remind folks that, you know, look, we wouldn't watch professional sports if they were cheating left and right. That's gross. That, how, how many people can't stand the Astros now because they're a bunch of cheaters? You know, in <laughs> politics, it should be the same way. You know, we should root for the people who have the integrity to do the job and do the job right. That's right. Amen. All right, Kirk, you got 10 seconds. No one is above the law. Shannon Zimmerman is not above the law. Tom Tiffany, Ron Johnson, Scott Fitzgerald are not above the law. Pat, take it away. Sarah, we we are going to miss you on the show every week, but we're going to stay in touch. Thank you so much. Wish you all the best and look forward to talking soon. Thank you. Take care. And uh, so we will be back to wrap up the show in just a moment. You're up north. get to uh, the, the latest episode of American Idiot in just a moment here. But as always, for those of you who listen by podcast, we need to thank our radio hosts who let us record the show live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio 92.7, the Shaw 101.1 FM, and WAUK 540 AM. This podcast is posted on Saturdays wherever you subscribe, or you can get it through the Devil Radio app, or you can get it from our website, upnorthpodcast.com. We also have a video version up on the Facebook page of Kirk's Manakwa Brewing Company and also on YouTube. And you can find my daily work over at upnorthnewswi.com. You can sign up for our newsletter over there and check out check us out on social media too. And finally tonight, Kirk, I envision Bucky Badger calling up Mickey Mouse and having a talk about how Florida Governor DeSantis, what he's doing to Disney 
might be a preview of what Republicans want to do to the University of Wisconsin system next year. Yeah, so, you know, along with all the other news we had, um, you know, and it's no one is above the law is basically the theme. Uh, but also we talked about how nothing gets done in the Wisconsin state legislature, uh, specifically because, and, you know, the Republicans don't want to do anything and make make Evers look bad. It's all to me, it all goes down to education. You know, the more people that are able to critically read what's going on and understand the the misinformation and the disinformation that's going on, the better. And and once again, the the uh, the Republicans are dissing our new UW chancellor, who was approved by 16 board of regents, and about half of them were appointed by a Republican governor and the other half were appointed by a Democratic governor and they unanimously approved her after a search, which should mean that everybody should be happy with that. But no, we got we got these kind of comments coming from uh, part of, uh, from uh, Rebecca Cleefish running for governor. The Board of Regents decision to hire a woke radical like oh, Dr. Mnookin is infuriating. Our universities need to focus on building a strong economy and workforce, not force feeding liberal ideology to Wisconsin students. Voss said he was disappointed in the Board of Regents blatant partisan selection of Dr. Mnookin as the next leader for UW-Madison. Eight of the Regents were Republican nominees, Voss. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter because did you hear all of those keywords like radical liberal and woke oh all it was, they do it was such they a just, bingo card i mean totally that's all they do is there they was, find they anything vaccines crt was in there i mean it was just crazy and they did it with baby formula i mean when the baby formula shortage started they came out with up here in northeastern wisconsin they came out with a statement saying that this was biden's fault and biden was trying to solve the problem. They were doing nothing to solve the problem. All they do is find an issue and then they put a bunch of words on it and put it on conservative talk radio, well, because, entertainment. Because it masks that simple question that you should, have. again, we, a lot of us like to knock on doors. If you have a Republican candidate or politician, they may knock on doors as well. Ask them this one simple question. What do you stand for? What are you for? We, they we don't have a your, platform, Pat. There's no ag- platform. Right. You're against wokeness. You're against socialism, which doesn't exist here. You're 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 against you know force feeding liberal ideology, which is just a way of here, saying here we go. Your Pat. little darlings here's, are in college now. You know. Here, here's what I want to ask, Pat. It's like if you're if you're not, can you? I want to say, are you for people being smart? Yeah. Well, look, at, I mean, look, we've got as our new co-host, I mean, Kristen, for those of you on the video who don't see the video feed, uh, apparently graduated from 27 <laughs> different colleges based oh, on yeah. everything that's hanging on the wall behind oh, her. Background we are for very those of you pro-education here. <laughs> her background yes, for are. those of you that are, 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 are listening on the radio has got all her million doctors like diplomas. It's, it's, it's pretty intimidating. I'm not going to lie. All of my volunteer <laughs> diplomas are up there. I think my kindergarten swimming lesson is up there. It looks no, but good. that's what the question is. It's like, it's like, if you're not for people getting education, if you're not for people learning history, learning math, learning like, literature, then what are you for? Because defunding public education, you know, like crapping all over the UW uh, system and crapping is okay to use on radio, Pat. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, what are you for if you're not for educating your kids? Total you know? lack of vision, total yeah. lack of vision. Yep. And so again, we're looking for people who are standing for something, starting with 
kids that are educated, truly educated, not indoctrinated. Uh, with yes. that, it's time for us to go. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks, Kristen. Welcome. And thank uh, thanks to our guest, Officer Craig Carlson and our friend, Sarah Yacoub. And thank you for joining us at the cabin. Come on back up north next week. Watch this